Good morning. Can I just extend my welcome to you? Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Al. I'm one of the pastors here at Gateway Church. If you were with us before lockdown, you may remember that we were in a preaching series in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, the second book of the Old Testament. And the book of Exodus is very neatly divided into two halves. And the first half, chapters 1 to 18, really tell the story of the dramatic rescue of God's people out of oppression and slavery in Egypt and into freedom. The scene starts in Exodus chapter 1 of God's people in slavery. They've been there for many, many years. And God raises up a man called Moses, and he commissions him to go and tell Pharaoh, who's the ruler of Egypt, with this message, let my people go. And if you're familiar with the story, you'll know that Pharaoh refuses, and there's this dramatic showdown between Yahweh, the one true God, and the gods of the Egyptians, and God sends these plagues. And through these dramatic showdowns, God sets his people free. They are finally set free after the final 10th plague. And they then cross over the Red Sea and into a new life, free from oppression to Egypt. And as we head into the second half of Exodus, which really forms the basis of the next few weeks together, chapters 19 to 40, what we're going to see is that the central thread of what's being weaved through these chapters and through the second half of Exodus is how God's people, now they are freed from oppression in Egypt, are called to live as God's representatives to the nations, a people to be marked out by obedience and God's presence with them. Exodus is such a key book. It is central to the storyline of Scripture. It's central to the redemptive theme in the Bible at both a personal level and a corporate level. Exodus is central to the gospel. Exodus is central to the Christian life. And the Exodus story is our story too. What happens in Exodus is echoed in our own story and that of the church. Exodus is not a history lesson, but it is key to understanding what God is doing in you and I, the church, through the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you, as we spend these weeks together in Exodus 19 to 40, why don't you track along with us? Why don't you get hold of Exodus and read it in your times alone with God as we go through this together? So we're going to be in Exodus 19 today, the first few verses there. So why don't you just pause the video, grab a Bible if you'd like to. So chapter 19. Chapter 19 is such a key turning moment in the Exodus narrative and the biblical storyline. Having been brought out of Egypt, God in chapter 19 commissions his people with a new purpose and a new identity. As amazing as their rescue was, that was just the beginning of God's story with his people. So let's read chapter 19, the first few verses together. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. 
They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself." Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and he called the elders of the people and he set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded them. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to him, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So the scene here for for this passage and really the rest of the Exodus narrative is that God's people are at the foot of Mount Sinai. And it's here on this mountain where God redefines and repurposes his people. It's been roughly seven weeks since their dramatic rescue out of Egypt, but it's fair to say they're not exactly happy campers. They're grumbling, they're complaining, they're debating whether life was in fact better in Egypt, and they're sort of wandering in the wilderness, not exactly knowing where they're headed or what their purpose is. And it's into this context that God speaks to Moses to commission the people of God. And it says in verse 4, doesn't it, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. The first thing that God wants to do in talking to his people, in commissioning them, is to remind them that he was the one who rescued them out of slavery and oppression to Egypt. It is so important to remember that he is our rescuer and our redeemer. They were not saved out of Egypt because of their own actions. It was the work of God himself who brought them out of oppression and into freedom. And our starting position and their starting position is to be one of remembering that it's God who is their rescuer, that he's the one who drew them out and brought them out from oppression. And it's so important that we start there, that we start with remembering that God is the one who initiates and enacts the rescue of his people. But God isn't finished there. He tells Moses these wonderful words, I have brought you to myself. I have brought you to myself. You see, freedom from oppression is key, but it's only the beginning of the story. In fact, through the rest of Exodus, God places more emphasis on what they have been saved for, for worship, for communion with God, for a life of serving him and displaying his name and his glory to the nations of the world. God has delivered them from slavery to Pharaoh 
so that they might delight in serving him. Salvation is more than just being rescued. It's about being catapulted into a new life of delighting in God, of serving him, of worshipping him, and displaying who he is to the world around us. God has brought his people to himself for purpose. What's this purpose? He wants to enter into a unique relationship with them. Or as verse 5 says, he wants to make a covenant with them. It says this, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Right here at Mount Sinai, at this turning point of the story, God says, I want to make a unique relationship with you, my people. And covenants, while not a word that we often use in the Western world, are like the backbone of the Bible. It's through covenants that God enters into partnerships with his people in order to bring about rescue to the world. It's about how God will use his people to bring blessing to the nations of the world. Covenants are a pretty big deal. And in the Old Testament, covenants worked on the basis that God made promises to his people and in return, they make commitments about how they will live as his representatives. And the covenant is dependent not on God's faithfulness, but dependent on the people's obedience as God's representatives on earth. And here is God establishing this new covenant. And he says to God's people, Israel, he says, hey, do you remember the commission to Adam and Eve, which was to fill the earth with the glory of God? Do you remember the, the promise I made to Abraham that through your seed, the nations of the world will be blessed? Hey, it's through you and my covenant relationship with you that I want you to bless the world and to represent me to the nations of the earth. That's my promise. Now, will you commit to following and obeying me? That's the new covenant that God is establishing with his people here at Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. But there is a question which we might wrestle with, particularly in a Western context, which is why bother liberating them from an oppressive ruler like Pharaoh than just to give them and bound them up with a whole load of new laws? I mean, where's the freedom in just suddenly giving them a whole new set of laws to follow? Isn't it much more freeing just to kind of allow them to do what they want, to be themselves, to, to make their own way and to make their own rules? And despite the promises of our culture that we should be free to make our own rules, the Bible's view of human flourishing and of true freedom is actually found in joyful service and obedience to God. Humans are not designed to be free from all constraints, masters of our own destiny. The Exodus story is not just about finding deliverance from Egypt. It's about finding delight in serving a new master. For those rescued from oppression, obedience is a delight, not a duty. Obedience is a response to the grace of God, never to earn it. And God says, if you keep my covenant, if you obey my voice, if you allow every area of your life to be shaped by my teaching and my laws and my justice, the promise I make to you is that you will be my treasured possession. 
you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. If you follow what I'm asking you, you'll be a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What's the purpose of a kingdom of priests? Why does God want them to be a kingdom of priests? It's to represent God to the nations of the world. It's to partner with God to bring about blessing and restoration to the world. That it's a partnership with God that he would use them to bring about his justice, peace and righteousness on the earth. That's what he wants to do in and through them. This is the moment of their commissioning. God had rescued them. Why? To enter into a unique relationship with them and partner with them in bringing about the blessing to the ends of the earth. They were rescued from Egypt for purpose with a new identity to represent God to the world. This is their commissioning moment. And as we'll see through the rest of Exodus that we look at in the coming weeks, this new community, this new covenant community that God establishes in Exodus 19 is meant to be marked out by obedience to God's ways and God's laws and God's teaching and his presence with them. But sadly, what we will see through the rest of Exodus is how time and time again they fail to live up to the covenant promises that they made. Despite their dramatic rescue out of Egypt by Yahweh, they forget and they disobey God. And the terms of the covenant are broken because of their faithlessness. And if it ended there, it would be a tragedy of what might have been. It would be a story of massive potential, but huge letdown. But the Exodus story points forward. Remember, the Exodus story is our story. The covenant that God made here in Exodus 19 to his people at Mount Sinai was only a shadow of the covenant to come. All of the Old Testament covenants pointed forward and were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who through his life, death and resurrection has established a new covenant for God's people, which is unconditional and cannot fail or be broken. It says in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the guarantor and the mediator of a new and better covenant, not based on obedience or faith, faithfulness of his, of his people, but on the faithful and obedient work of Jesus Christ. Jesus succeeded at every point that humans failed. And this new covenant through Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of God's saving work in Scripture. Jesus is the true fulfillment of the promise in Exodus. He's the true fulfillment of the covenant with Abraham and with Noah and here with his people and the covenant promise to David, which comes later in the story. I read this earlier this week, which I just think is a really good summary of what Jesus has won. In this new covenant, we get total forgiveness of sins and cleansing from shame. We get new hearts of flesh and the indwelling spirit 
causing us to love God's laws and to walk in his ways. We can actually do justice and righteousness and so be a light to the nations. We can walk in freedom and light rather than sin and darkness. We have bold access to God and stand in the realm of grace. We trust that a renewed world is coming where peace and righteousness will reign forever under the rule of King Jesus. And it's all possible because of him, Jesus, the perfect covenant keeper. If you're watching this today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you don't know about the forgiveness that he offers you, you don't know about his love and his saving work, we would love to follow up with you and to talk more about who Jesus is and what he has done and what this means for our lives. Why don't you just comment below or fill out a contact card in the description, um, which you'll see either on Facebook or YouTube. In this new covenant through Jesus, he has established a new covenant community called the church, made up of every tribe and tongue and nation and background, which is the ultimate fulfillment of the Exodus 19 story. Listen to these words of the Apostle Peter writing his letter to the early church and these words ring true for the church today. Peter writes this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Do you see and hear the echoes of Exodus 19, where the Apostle Peter brings the words of Exodus 19 into their true new covenant meaning through the church. You see, follower of Jesus, we, the church, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's treasured possession. That's your identity. That's our identity. Yes, rescued from sin and shame and death through Jesus Christ, but rescued for something. Just like in Exodus 19, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been rescued for purpose, for worship, for communion with God, for a life of serving him and displaying God to the world, to the places where we live and work, to represent God to the nations around us, to show people what he is like and to bring about redemption and rescue for many, to bring God's reign and rule of peace and justice and mercy and righteousness to the nations, to be those who partner with God in his rescue mission for this world, or to put it in the words of Peter, to proclaim or to shout out the excellencies of him, God, who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to hear these words. You are part of God's royal priesthood. 
You are part of God's story to bring restoration and blessing to this town and to the nations. Everyone included. No one sat on the subs bench. Why don't you spend some moments this week just reflecting and thinking on the places that God has put you or on the passions that he has given you and just consider what does it mean for me to be a priest, part of the royal priesthood in that context, to model godly living, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his glorious light? What does it look like for you to contend and speak up against injustice, to bring his peace into those circumstances? That's the calling for each of us as part of this royal priesthood in this new covenant community to bring about his goodness and his life and his joy and his blessing into the places that we live, breathe and work, each of us individually. But for us, that's true as a church community as well. As we have started to imagine what the church looks like in the months and the years ahead, what is exciting us more than anything is that we would increasingly know ourselves and become a kingdom of priests wherever we are, restoring cities and communities, bringing hope to the hurting, seeking justice for the oppressed and boldly proclaiming the message of Jesus. What's exciting us is about considering a family on mission, scattered servants in this town and the nations bringing the light of Jesus into the darkness. I and us as a leadership team really believe that God wants to use this moment and this preaching series to get hold of us afresh with a commissioning, just like he did to Israel at Mount Sinai, that we as the new covenant community, the church, would become a kingdom of priests, partnering with God in bringing about his redemptive work in this town and the nations, and that we will be a people who are marked out by joyful obedience and his presence with us. Amen. Amen.